A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word that comes to us from God. In today's homily for the fifth Sunday of Lent, Father explains the development of trust that God is asking of us over the past three weeks of Scrutiny Gospels. As the introduction of the reading said, we're in a series of three Gospel readings from John that form, really, in truth, a single story. This idea of this continual increasing level of Christ's mercy being shown to us throughout these different stories. Recall two weeks ago we had the story of the woman at the well, the woman who was caught in the worldly pleasures represented by multiple husbands and her living with somebody she wasn't married to, her desire to keep going back to the well to draw earthly things to receive satisfaction. Jesus meets her in the midst of her thirsting for something, and she keeps thinking we've been satisfied by worldly pleasures. And Jesus says, I have something better for you. So even though she is lost in his worldly pursuits, Jesus meets her in the midst of her pursuing that and offers himself to her and pulls her out of that situation. Last week we had the man born blind, a person who couldn't even find his way to Christ. So steeped in sin that they don't know where to go to get that redemption. And Jesus, knowing that he'll never find him because he's blind, pursues him, goes after him, and offers him salvation. So even in the midst of your blindness and your sinfulness, I will be here for you. And then the conclusion is, of course, today's gospel, the death of Lazarus, representing a complete spiritual dying, an absolute decay of the heart to such an extent that they can't even move in any direction towards God. They're incapable because of that death of love within them. And even that person, Jesus wants to take. These little lines in these gospel readings that we oftentimes miss that are so important. It says, Jesus loved them. He's making a point that even when somebody is so steeped in sin they reject God completely, Jesus says, I still love you. No matter how far you've turned your way from me, I still want you. No matter how dark your life has become, I still long for you. And he goes out of his way to find that Lazarus. But sometimes he will delay because he lets us enter into that death of sin. Not to punish us reveal the extent of his mercy. Hear what he says. He purposely stayed behind before he went there for two extra days to make sure that Lazarus was going to be dead. To reveal his glory. His power over sin. In the days of Jesus, they didn't have all the modern technology we have today. And a person wasn't considered officially dead until after the third day. 
Because it had so happened that sometimes we would bury somebody, and two or three days later they would hear somebody crying from the tomb because they weren't actually dead. But on the fourth day, pretty much guaranteed, wrapped in a mummy outfit, put in a stone, you're dead, dead. So Lazarus was gone out of it, completely separated from God, and Jesus pursues him and says, I still love you, and I'll still raise you up. If there's even the slightest spark at all of longing for Christ within that person. And every person has that spark. Everybody has it. And that's something we should all remember in this time of life, recognizing that no matter what we've done, no matter how far we've fallen, no matter where we think we are in a relationship with God, He will always draw us out of that into something better. He will always pursue us. He will meet us in the midst of our sin. He will search us out. He will find us and offer us that salvation. He will say, my mercy is never, ever denied anybody that longs for it. Nobody. We need to remember that as well with other people. Sometimes we get so caught up in somebody else's sinfulness, we think they're too far gone. Forget them. But Jesus doesn't. Whether they're caught up in worldly pleasures, whether they're blinded by their own passions, or they're actually dead, steeped in the darkness of their sin, Jesus says, I want that person with me. And if Jesus doesn't give up on them, neither should we. Ourselves. Jesus doesn't look at our past. He says, look what you've done. He looks at our heart now. He says, this is what you could be. But that tremendous mercy that God shows to us demands a response. That mercy that God extends to us expects something in return. And even though He hands it out freely, out of gratitude for what we've received, gift back to God. And each of these stories also reveal the progression of faith that takes place in the characters that Jesus is trying to pull from them. Remember the woman at the well. She goes to the well at noontime. Nobody goes to the well. Why? Because she knows that she's being made fun of by the entire community. People think essentially she's a little slut. Married five times or six times. The guys that she's living with now, she's not married to. So she basically looks up a whore to the community doesn't want to face them. She's embarrassed. So she goes to the well at a time, seeking again worldly pleasures, trying to hide from the community. And then after Jesus comes to her, know what she does? Her first act, she puts down her bucket. She says, I'm done with the worldly pleasures. And she goes back to the very community that was scorning her to tell them, I found Christ. Will you come follow me? She reveals her new faith. Instead of running from people, she runs towards them. She gets out of her comfort zone and realizes that he did this for me. This is the least I can do for him. She's willing to set aside some of the pleasures of the world and embarrass herself before others, be a little bit uncomfortable before others, to profess her faith. She now is so proud of. And the man born blind. We elevate what happens with him. When he encounters Christ, he starts to get mocked by everybody around him. The Pharisees think he's an idiot. Think he's just a stupid sinner that way from birth. They say, what could you possibly teach us? You're just a lame sinner. You know nothing. 
continue with the stupidity, we're going to throw you out. Kick you out of the community, reject you. Even his parents refused to back him up. When he pursued Christ, they weren't there with him. They said, he's on his own. Because they didn't want to deal with the backlash. Even his neighbors refused to believe his conversion. That's not really the blind man, that's somebody else. Everybody around him was willing to turn their back on him and reject him. And nobody does, he stands firm in his faith. He continues to pursue Jesus and say, Where is the Christ that I may worship him? In front of every person who just rejected him, he stands firm and says, I will not let you deter me. Regardless of it was his family, his own church, his friends, he was willing to stand against all of them to walk with Christ. And the story of Lazarus reaches a climax of asking us, what exactly are you willing to do? To what extent is your faith willing to go? When he goes back to Martha and Mary, he allows Lazarus to die because he wants to reveal to them something that they're not quite getting. Not only is it tremendous mercy, but he's trying to ask them, where is your faith in all of this? Do you believe me? Are you willing to follow me even to death? The first thing Martha does when she encounters him is, Jesus, oh, if you had only been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Know what she's saying? Jesus, if you would have done it my way, if you would have followed what I wanted you to do, if you would have listened to me, everything would be fine. And Jesus says, if you would listen to me, things would even be better. And they weren't getting it. He's trying to push them and say, how far are you willing to go for me? Martha says, oh, I know you're the Christ, and you'll make everything okay. But there's something that's holding her back, and that's why Jesus was perturbed. Literally, that Hebrew word was, he was snorting in his spirit. He was irritated because they were speaking words, but they weren't willing yet to live those very words. They weren't willing to give themselves completely over the full trust of God, to offer themselves an absolute sacrifice for Him. And He knew this. He says, well, I'm going to now show you what I can do. Are you going to follow me then? And each of these stories should be telling us something about our own response to God. Because every one of us have been either the woman at the well, the man born blind, or Lazarus at some point in our life. Every one of us have fallen into worldly pleasures, been blinded by sin, or even fallen into that death at some point. And Jesus has come for every one of us and pulled us out of it. And he asked us, what are you going to give me in return? Where is your faith? Are you willing to give up some of the pleasures? Are you willing to be a little bit uncomfortable before others? Are you willing to be rejected by the people you're longing to receive approval from? Are you willing to deal with persecution and scorn and betrayal and insult? And finally, are you willing to sacrifice everything that you are, the fullness of your life, for him? And that just doesn't mean simply to die physically. You should empty yourself. Are you willing to sacrifice your whole way of life? Everything that you hold dear. Are you willing to give up everything that you cling to if Christ asked of us? And that's what should be happening in this Lenten season. It's supposed to be preparing us for Palm Sunday. We start to enter into that passion of Christ. Supposed to be helping us to realize that next Sunday we should be so prepared and are emptying of ourselves that we're now willing to journey with Jesus to Jerusalem to get on the cross. 
Lent isn't about giving up candy and cell phones. It's about giving up our will, our desires, our wants, our luxuries, our pleasures for the sake of Christ. The question we need to be asking ourselves is, what am I willing to do for Him? Because He was willing to do it all for us. He gave up worldly pleasures. He gave up worldly acclamations. He gave up worldly life. He gave up every comfortable thing for us. And He does it over and over and over again. That level of love that He has for us. To experience what He goes through that we might be saved from our selfishness demands a response from us. Not because He's a mean God, because He's a loving God. And aren't you supposed to give to those who you love, especially when they love you so much? Shouldn't we be willing to offer a little bit of ourselves when He offers us so much? Shouldn't we be willing to sacrifice a little of ourselves when He sacrificed everything for us? The story of Lazarus is not simply about somebody being raised from the dead. It's about being brought back to life in the darkness of our sin. And sin brings death, and we all have felt it. We've all been raised from it. And if it wasn't for that, we'd be in the tomb of hell forever. I think we start to look at it that way. Maybe you should help us to open our hearts up a little bit more. Because Christ just didn't sacrifice a little. He gave us all. He's just asking for a little bit of that back. Let's do that for